everyone and welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media at Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram and we'll pop up and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Uh, please, hey, like, subscribe, follow, review, rate, whatever you can do will help us content creators with, uh, you know, the work that we do. And as I've said many times, Medium Cool is just kind of a passion project of mine, but it's always nice whenever there's a bit of recognition. So please, by all means, you know, as the YouTubers say, smash that subscribe button or whatever people say. Anyways, uh, today is a fun, special day because I brought in a new friend, okay? Uh, if you guys will remember, <clears throat> and I don't expect everyone to, but um, I think it was one of our very first podcasts I'm actually looking now to see if I can come up with... I'm pretty sure it was like episode one or two, and then there was like a bonus episode. Um, but <clears throat> the uh, the very first one that we did, uh, it was actually, I think it was episode two. I'm looking at it now. Dan Ellswick and Ricardo Casalino, uh, they came on, and uh, they were pitching their, their Bane documentary that they did, uh, which is really great. It's called Holding These Moments. I encourage everyone to go check it out right now. It's awesome. Uh, and then I did an interview with Bane as bonus content the same week. And uh, one thing that Dan Ellswick told me is he's like, dude, if you like wrestling, because, you know, of course, I was talking about wrestling off air. And he was like, dude, if you like wrestling, you should talk to Rick from This Is Hell. And I'm like, I don't know who Rick is, but I know This Is Hell. That band rules. So uh, I get on Twitter. I find Rick. I find out he's doing other podcasts about wrestling, about music, movies, different things. And uh, so I ended up following him. I followed him for like two years now or something, like a year and a half, whenever I started this. And uh, he really did seem like kind of a perfect guest to have on, especially because it seemed like he and I kind of had different perspectives on things as well. So anyways, long story short, uh, I just reached out to Rick about you know, a couple months ago. And I was like, hey, man, I'm planning out the rest of the year, kind of. I was curious if you'd be free you know, around such and such time. And he was like, dude, I'll be back from tour this day. Anytime after that, we're good. And uh, we recorded. So uh, we did this last week, but, um, you know, uh, definitely go check out his uh, band's YouTube page, Extinction AD. They have some really fun stuff. We'll talk more about what it is, but on YouTube, they have some, you know, some pretty cool content on there. Just search Extinction AD and you've got it. Um, but yeah, their content's fun. We'll talk more about that. I'll actually let Rick tell you a bit more about what's going on. Um, uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's look, listen. Oh my God. Words. I just recorded the wrestling podcast thing. This thing's got to stop. My brain's fried. What's happening now? I can't even use words. It's like part of my job. Anyways, um, I'll stop complaining for now. Uh, let's go see what Rick Jimenez is up to. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. I am here with Rick Jimenez. Say hello, Rick. What's up? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good, man. Uh, I don't know where you live, but it is, I don't know if you can see my window. It's so disgusting outside. So I based my entire day, no, well, I based half my day around waiting for the rain to stop to take my dog out every time. I have a recording session tomorrow, so I'm always so afraid of like if I'm out in the rain I'm going to get sick. So um yeah, yeah, no it's dude, no joke with that weather thing. People are just like, "Oh, come on, all you do is scream or whatever. Get oh, out of here." Nah. You don't yeah, understand. Yeah. Anyways, uh Rick Jimenez is uh, a musician, huge wrestling lover and also 
a film lover, particularly, I think you are more of a horror guy, if I'm not mistaken. Is that an accurate thing to say? You know, I feel like that's not actually my main interest, but it seems like it's almost assumed that. So everybody wants to talk to me about horror. So I've done so many more uh, conversations or interviews or podcasts when it comes to film specifically on horror than anything else. But um, I mean, really, really quick. I mean, super Quentin Tarantino, Mark. Um, I absolutely adore superhero movies of all types, but the past, you know, what, 15 years now with the Marvel movies, like Nerd Central, um, Star Wars, Nerd Central, uh, and then just other, you know, very of the era that I grew up in, you know, late 80s to like mid 90s, just movies in general. I I love it. I'm going to uh, save you from the horror talk since you do that so much because you've already listed other things. And we're going to start with that whenever we get there. But everybody, we're going to talk a little bit about some of our passions outside of movies first, just to kind of acquaint ourselves with Rick, because this is the first time we've literally ever talked, you know, off off the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I literally sent him a message because uh, one of our uh, mutual friends that we had on the show uh, was like, hey, you should get Rick on. He's a huge wrestling fan. Like, you guys would hit this off. And so I just reached out on uh, Twitter, and here we are. So thank you so much for being here, man. Um, and I, I just want to figure out wh- which passion came first, wrestling or music? Music. Yeah, and, and how did you get started with that? I mean, where'd you grow up? What were your first bands? Because I was mostly introduced to you which I actually didn't even know like who you were, but I knew your band, uh, This Is Hell, was my first introduction after looking into some of the bands you were in. But uh, now you're in Extinction AD, which I'm, of course, familiar with. Uh, but tell us, how like, how did you get started? You know, where, where are you from, and how did you get here? Born and raised on Long Island, New York. Lived on Long Island until about you know two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, moved to Stanford. Some of my first memories are around music. I told this story a million times, so I'll keep it super short. I remember at three years old watching um, Foolin', the Def Leppard video, at three years old, stressing out, like, do I actually like the music or do I just think the video is cool? Like, who has that thought (laughs) ever, especially at three? So um, Def Leppard Pyromania was my first favorite album. That was the first piece of music I ever bought on my own on cassette. Um. Hard rock guy, you know, I was born in 1980. So, you know, I, I lived through all these different um, things that are so nostalgic now, you know, um, hair metal, and then into, you know, thrash metal, you know, I discovered Metallica, and that's a, a life changing thing. And then from there, uh, I got into punk, you know, there was that that big explosion with Green Day and Rancid and Offspring. And I remember like, you know, I'm not super into these bands, but like, I kind of know what punk is a little bit because I'm a metal guy. So then I dove in really hard and then I found Minor Threat and Dead Kennedys and kind of what I know now is the first wave of American hardcore. Um, Don't get me wrong. I eventually, very quickly, oh, hey, Green Day is an amazing band. Rancid is an amazing band. Offspring is an amazing band. Um, Dude, I get it. Yeah, I get it because I was there too, just real quick. Like I, I, I actually jumped. I grew up in the church because my grandpa was like a pastor and my whole family was involved. So I grew up on a bunch of like what you'd call like the Christian hardcore and metal bands. 
So I went from listening to like my mom's CDs of like Whitney Houston <laughs> and stuff to like <laughs> Zayo and Living yep. Sacrifice and like, you know what I mean? Like uh, Norma Jean later and bands like that. Um, and then, of course, I broke out. But I, I never did the Rage Against the Machine thing, the Metallica thing growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was not into the new metal thing and I also wasn't into the pop punk thing. But then recently, just a real quick thing, I went back and listened to some of those records like Green Day or uh, things of that nature. I'm like, damn, these fucking rip. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, why was I such an elitist about like scream or nothing, basically, when I was a teenager? You know what I mean? But I get well, what you're saying is what I'm saying. Well, thankfully for me, the whole nah, I don't really like these bands. I was never a hater of any of those bands. And it was really quick when I kind of started diving into punk and, you know, early American hardcore that I turned the page on um, those, you know, breakout, like 94, 95 bands. And that is what led to my first band. I played in a band called Subterfuge for eight years. And we started off only playing Green Day and Rancid songs. We didn't know any better. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, eventually I found hardcore. And it's like, dude, there's these things I could pinpoint. Def Leppard, Life Changer. Metallica, Life Changer. Uh, Minor Threat, Life Changer sick of it all life changer these are all like the different points in my life you know once i saw sick of it all live that's when oh you know what hardcore is everything everything else in the world is uh less <laughs> as far as music yeah. goes and then you know uh you get older and older and older and um when i was play, you know eventually i wound up playing in uh this is hell once we started that band in 2004 um and that band always evolved and evolved and evolved to the point that when we were, you know, we never broke up, but when we stopped playing actively, you know, we started off as a very simple hardcore band and we ended as like a balls to the wall crossover thrash metal band. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, once I got burnt down on that, that's when we started Extinction AD. So um, music was first and music has always taken priority even to wrestling and that is a hard hard thing for me to put as a second priority <laughs> dude yeah i mean here's the thing dude uh you know i was uh like i said i played off and on i played metal like for so long and hardcore stuff um and uh i was playing with um my guitarist who was uh in a ton of like uh, other bands and then he started going to school and we started this kind of local thing and um, and he was like, I was I'm a huge comeback kid fan, particularly those first two records like that. Oh, yeah. The yelling, the fast that like there's nothing like those records to me. I always thought it was just like hardcore. But then when you try to write shit like that, you're like, holy fuck, like this is really intricate, like awesome hardcore to me. And um, my buddy was like, dude, have you listened to Sundowning by This Is Hell? Like, I prefer that. You know? And I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, you can't say that. Like. You know, in my head, I'm like, you can't there come. These comeback kid records are the best. Like, stop, you know, and then I listened to Sundowning. That was actually my first introduction to you guys. And this wasn't even that long ago, sadly. I mean, this is probably six or seven years ago. Oh, wow. Like that. Or, cool. Yeah. Cool. So it was I was like way late to that game. Um, but yeah, dude, that like where does that record fall in terms of popularity, in terms of like shows and fans? Because to me, like when I think of you guys, that's the record I think of. But like you said, I've listened to others and there is an evolution of sound. And I'm curious, like what's kind of the most popular? You know what I'm saying? Sundowning is definitely the most popular. I mean, okay, that is the record that 
honestly, I feel like I owe my music career to. Um, I did music for, that came out in 2006, so I was already, you know, playing in bands seriously for about 10 years at that yeah. point. And that, you know, 16 to 26 or, you know, 15 to um, 25, that that's a very, very big and important 10 years. So that felt like a lot longer than 10 years. But, um, you know, that is like the favorite as far as This Is Hell fans go. Um, it's not my favorite, but it's not because I dislike it. I, I love every record that I've ever been on with any band, you know. Um, but that is that is the one that, you know, gave us our uh, jump. And that was the most, I guess, like the peak of our popularity. Dude, on that record, we toured with Comeback Kid for like a year and a half straight. You know, <laughs> We've done so much touring with Comeback Kid that it's uh, it's ridiculous. You know, we toured the states and Canada with them over the course of uh, from 2006 to 2007. If you incorporate maybe a little 2005, a little 2008, we must have done uh, the states with them three times, Canada with them two times, Europe with them once, and then eventually we did Australia with them. Uh, those are that's like our Big Brother Band, as far as This Is Hell goes. And a thing about This Is Hell that I always enjoyed, you could listen to it casually. Oh, you know, it's kind of like a a fast hardcore band, you know, like it or don't like it, whatever. If you pay attention, you know, it's, you know, it's not progressive, you know. Look, it's a hardcore band, but it's a little intricate. It's definitely one of those things where, like, when we were trying out a new member or something, like, oh, this seems so easy when I listen to it, when I go to play it. You know, there's yep. a little more to it. So in the same way, Comeback Kid. So I always thought of Comeback Kid in that nature. I never thought of them as just a regular hardcore band. Um, and I think that Comeback Kid is was influential to This Is Hell. Maybe not exactly musically, a little bit, uh, because we were so kind of concurrent. But the thing is, we spent so much time together. I think we kind of interpreted influences so similar similarly hard <laughs> yeah. word for me to say um <laughs> that we you know kind of uh almost go hand in hand so when you tell someone oh i really like comeback kid it's a thing like oh well, have you heard this is hell where i'm sure it goes the other way too like oh i really like this hell like yo you you like this is hell listen to the real version and you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put on comeback kid <laughs> yeah it's well the thing is too like you have a band, and I love every band I'm about to mention, so I don't mean this in any sense of a derogatory sense, but you have a band like um, like uh, the really early Hatebreed Records or or Terror. I love Terror. Um, or bands like that, right? And that's that's hard. That's like the hardcore that is like, let's play a ton of chords and get some energy and be angry about this and kill it, right? And then you have your, like, the This Is Hell Sundowning record, at least I'll, I'll at least qualify it as that specifically, or like Comeback Kids early records, Killing the Dream, and so on, where this is something a little different. Like, it sounds like it fits. They could tour with them easily, but there's like a lot more to this music than just kind of like, I'm going to play four. And I'm not saying Terror is just four chords and screaming, yeah, but I'm I saying gotcha. there are a lot of hardcore bands you play with or listen to that just do four chords in different progressions, scream, and this is our hardcore thing. I love all the above. However, like I definitely have always kind of thought of you guys as that latter version with those bands like Comeback Kid and um, I don't know. I don't know why Killing the Dream comes to mind, but it does. Uh, <laughs> you know what? They, they were we were all part of like that 
kind of mid 2000s hardcore scene where it wasn't like you said it, it wasn't just straightforward hardcore where you know you play fast and you'll lead to the breakdown even if our songs did follow that uh template oh, yeah. accidentally or purposely uh whatever uh lyrically it was something a little different none of the bands that you're mentioning were afraid of melody and kind of went uh for that more <sighs> I almost hate to use the word emotive because it has the word emo in it. Not that, but kind of like there's more to it where it's almost has a, a darkness and like a sadness as opposed to just anger and rage. It's yeah, anger there and is rage. There's an emotional and, spectrum. Yeah, ex exactly. And that was something I always thought was really, really cool and kind of sneaking in the melody while also in a song where you have a breakdown, which is like a face smasher or just a fast part that is like, you know, almost metallic and like thrash ish. Yeah. Loosely, you know, not that we were chugging and single notes and stuff at that point, but, um, you know, something that, Oh, if we're going fast, like this is angry as hell. And like, Oh, we'll go to a chorus that for all intents and purposes, like has a quote unquote hook, uh, I was never afraid of that shit. And um, that was a lot of fun, especially early on in This Is Hell. And that's something that, you know, come back kid, you know, the, the chorus of Wake the Dead, there's those melodic vocals, you know, Killing the Dream, even though there was a lot more screaming and it was, you know, in some ways, um, I don't want to say heavier, maybe a little more like a little tinges of metalcore-ish yeah. in there, but you could always sense that there was some underlying, you know, melodic thing, even if that's just the use of the two guitars. Like, oh, there's two guitar players here, like, somebody chugs some chords, I'm going to play, you know, some, like, octaves and maybe a little uh, twiddly here, and, you know. <laughs> twiddly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, dude, you're spot on, man, and there's something about the rawness with some of those bands, too, like Killing the Dream had there was such like a almost conviction you could hear regardless of whether it was there but there's yeah, just absolutely. something about the rawness and the uh almost there's something vulnerable maybe is a good word for it and, Dude, and you know what my you know what my favorite part about playing with killing the dream was what? Eli, the singer, not a huge wrestling fan, but a little bit of a wrestling fan, <laughs> loved to talk about Ron Simmons. And man, oh! I also love to talk about Ron Simmons. Damn. Yeah, yeah, totally, dude. That's that's um Okay, we'll get there. So yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Doing exactly I'm what like, I said I wasn't going to do. <laughs> I'm like ready to jump the fuck in, but I'm going to wait. Um, yeah, so uh, there is something. Really, the only other thing I was going to mention was there's uh, something about that mid-2000s hardcore that is unlike anything even to this day where it has a specific sound. Like you said, if, if someone likes sundowning, it's like, dude, listen to Comeback Kid. And even if there are differences, it's like there's a, there is a vein that you're all kind of flowing through that even if it is completely different, there is some connecting tissue, I feel. And, uh, you know, I was in a band uh, just, I, I don't know, it was probably from like 2016 to 2019 or something. And uh, this is, that's, uh, so 2016 is probably whenever I heard about you guys or something, something like that, 2016, 2017. So it really wasn't that long ago. Um, but the guitarist for a band called Gwen Stacy, he was our guitarist. And he's the guy that told me about you guys. Oh, and so cool, I was like cool. listening to it and I was I had joined this band it had already existed and I joined it and I started writing a lot of music for them and all I was listening to I had a whole like Spotify playlist of inspirations and it's all that like that's what I wanted to be <laughs> you know like so my goals like all right I want like tons of comeback kid tons of like this is hell tons of XYZ and it was just all that and it's amazing that whenever you play 
I remember playing with the um, Ghost Key. Do you remember that band? Do you know that band, Ghost Key? I don't think so. Okay, they're uh, they're I don't remember what label they're on, but anyways, they're they're kind of around now. Uh, but man, we played with them and Conveyor and um, Gatherers or something. I don't know if you know all those bands, but anyways, uh, there was a tour going around. We played with them. And we played Wake the Dead like we we covered that song. That was like a big one that I did because it was just such a fan. Like people would just go to be honest. It was an easy one for us to play. We loved that song and we could get really kick ass pictures early on. People (laughs) looking like they're singing our song. (laughs) I know that. So we could get some promo shit. You know what I'm saying? Like it works. But then it just became like people would get mad if we didn't play it. So we just started. It was like became our thing. People go fucking crazy for this stuff. And those bands I was talking about were sitting at their merch tables. And as soon as we played that, their asses were up front, like screaming the words. You know what I mean? And there's just something unique to me about that era of hardcore that I don't even feel like it's ever been replicated even to now. I mean, there are bands that kind of do that thing, but it's different. It is very different. I, you know, I think a lot of that is time and place, which, um, even That's talking fair. about it of that nature, it see it makes me feel like well yeah I, you know I shouldn't feel bad about this because I play in a different band now and I'm, we're doing stuff because talking about it the way we're talking about it, it makes me feel like I'm uh, in Poison talking about Poison in like 1999 like well, I mean, <laughs> yeah the strip was a time and the place but it really was man and I. It's interesting because certain people in hardcore have very specific thoughts about that time period. And it's interesting that it hasn't like – I don't want to say had a resurgence because I don't think everything needs to go in cycles. Like this could be a thing that like that specific subsect of hardcore like existed for a handful of years in the you know mid-2000s and it just was what it was and, and, and that's it. Um, I think it really was a, a time and a place because all those – bands evolved and that style kind of uh had all these other offshoots which were also successful so it's kind of like um why bother going back to the roots of something when the fruit that it may have bore is more interesting or um just as interesting or more successful or something um or maybe only a very select people still think that it's cool you know dude so much to the point so a lot of the bands you're mentioning i loved and we played with them but aside from really if i'm really really being honest and racking my brain uh, aside from comeback kid those bands weren't bands i even listened to aside from seeing them live when we played together uh pre during or post so Especially with This Is Hell, where every release we did, even from EP to full length, EP to full length, full length, full length, yada, yada. It's not like it sounded like a completely different band every time, but like to a certain extent, it kind of did. We were constantly, constantly evolving. So I might even have like a nostalgia for the time period. Um yeah. And what like my life was going on and, you know, recording those songs and writing those songs, writing those songs, recording them and touring on them. But um, even me, I don't I don't really have a nostalgia for the sound 
Exactly. So much so that by the time we did our next album, I was ready to do something else. And by the time we did our third album, it was almost unrecognizable to the first album. And Mm -hmm. our second album to our fourth album are completely unrecognizable. Um, But that, which this has nothing to do with your question, that was also what made for me personally playing in This Is Hell really fun. Hey, we're going to do something different every time and not because, hey, conceptually wouldn't it be like crazy to make sure that anybody who liked us on album one doesn't like us on album two and every (laughs) album we had to get a new fan base it wasn't to do that it was just what do i feel and what's coming out and gets me psyched when i'm playing guitar and we're going from there and if it was ever anything like yeah you really want to go um like darker and like shreddier on the follow-up to Sundowning, when, dude, the label, uh, we were on Trustkill Records for the first two That's what I was going to ask you, yeah. Um, not psyched. Not psyched at all, because Sundowning had the, those uh, melodic parts, and um, as far as hardcore goes, you know, like, quote-unquote, single potential and shit. Um, so they thought our second record was going to go further in that vein, like, oh, we might get, like, a legit you know, contender for radio or something. But, and, but instead it's like, well, the first song is like a minute and it's like unbearable screeching, screaming vocals. Uh, and then the second song is like a face smasher. And then the third song is five minutes long and it's all fast. <laughs> I remember when we handed in that record, the dude's like, yo, I don't hear the, the dude, Josh. I still like Josh from Trusco. Uh, he's like, yo, there, there's not a single on this record like what what's up it's like we're a hardcore band there's never going to be a single what <laughs> and then you know our next album straight up was a crossover album at that point i was like well no no i don't really feel like writing just like just playing hardcore anymore and then by the fourth album it's like oh yeah remember like when i was eight and wanted to be metallica now i'm like 31 and i'm really going to try to be metallica <laughs> uh, yeah well that's 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 actually the kind of last point on music that I have is the Extinction AD thing because again I'm most familiar with Sundowning so in my brain I think of that and then I think of Extinction AD and um, recently uh, I was obviously you know listening to that not even prepping for this it was just like in some mix I made I'm pretty sure it was the song Mastic I believe I had like this this, uh, thing that song rips but it's very different than Sundowning how did you like how did that come to be extinction ad i mean well first off mastic is even different for extinction ad for anything that we had done prior and that makes it so much fun but again long story short we did this as hell for i think pedal to the metal 2004 or let's say you know um 2004 to the middle of 2013 oh my god that's nine years so (laughs) we did this as hell for nine years we played like over 1100 shows you know we've i couldn't even count the amount of tours i used to be able to keep track of how many european tours we did and then when we went over in um 2018 i lost track but it's something like i think it's something like 13 or something wow um and all of that it was a full-time job for nine years uh that didn't pay you money all of that <laughs> while um, 
writing and recording and like I said, the constant evolution, it got to the point where I was like, yo, I, I just want to do something different. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of burnt out on it. Even just if Extinction AD was the next musical step that this is hell would have taken anyway, um, barring the lineup being different. Um, I even was just excited to have a different moniker, you know, but we didn't want to like, let's just keep doing this hell, but rename it. Like, no, 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 let's, let's do something different. I, I need a, a fresh start, which is um, a really, really stupid thing to do when you're about to turn 33. Hey, let's start a new <laughs> band. Um, but I don't regret it now, obviously, because it's been so much fun. Um, and dude, it was scary as hell because I was singing more and more in this is hell, but you know, it's like shouting a little bit and some like, you know, quote unquote tonal stuff. But then once we started extinction AD, I was writing lyrics and demoing vocals for somebody that could at least in a, you know, aggressive metal way sing. And then it got to the point where Travis from This Is Hell was like, yo, go to practice and you be the singer and just see how it feels. I was like, dude, I don't want to say I can't sing and play at the same time, let alone all this crazy <laughs> yeah. stuff. I'm going from playing like, you know, compared to Extinction AD, even the most metal This Is Hell was. It's like, you know, it's kind of it's thrash metal, but it's also, you know, it's crossover. It's still very rooted and hardcore, very different than straight up like playing Slayer styled riffs while having to sing. I was yeah. like, I don't want to do it. Nah. He's like, yo, if you go and don't like it, then I won't fucking bother you about it. I said, all right, fine. So I go to practice and I sing. I was like, oh dude, here we are. We got to do this. And <laughs> we booked our first show with like a month's notice. Um, I was like, all right, we've been officially a band for like, uh, you know, two, three weeks at this point, And we have our first show coming up in, in a month or so with Havoc. Um, we got to get us set down and be able to nail these songs and be playing guitar and singing live. I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do this. It's like, this is how you're going to, well, everybody else saying, this is how you're going to do it. You have a month to do it. We're going to get up on stage. And if you blow it, you're going to be pissed. So don't blow it. <laughs> so um, same thing, even the first show. Um, I, dude, I, I hadn't been like nervous for a show since I was like a fucking child. And I was like yeah. shitting my pants. Like, and everyone's like, you're, you're nervous. Like, what do you mean you're nervous? I, was like, I don't know. I don't know if I could even play this stuff, let alone sing and play it. We got on stage and it was, you know, once you get on stage, it's like second nature, but it's new enough to have fun with it. And from that first show, I was like, yo, we got to really go for it with this because it's so much fun. It is something different. Even that, you know, there was two months in between This Is Hell's last, last show was an active band and Extinction AD's first show. Um, it felt like uh, like a whole new life, literally, yeah. or not figuratively. It was like <laughs> it was like being reborn. Um, and then at that point, we're like, "All right, this is it." Especially thinking like, this is also like my last chance because uh, I'm too old to start. So I was too old when we started Extinction ID to start something new. This is my really um, last chance, and um, bring it back around because this is a, a movie podcast. I've continuously made the correlation only with this specific instance, no other instance with this sure. character, but Jake Taylor from the major league franchise, 
<laughs> when he shows up to uh, training camp and he makes it onto the team and he's like happy to himself. He's like, all right, one more go around because he's old and he's shot and he barely deserves to be there. But for some reason he you know proved his worth to make it part of the team. And I remember like straight up posting that on the internet when we played our first show. And then again, when we got uh, signed to uh, good fight music and then when we got our first tour and then again, when we signed with unique leader, um, now everything else about Jake Taylor with him being like a creepy stalker, you know, I don't, I don't really too. And plus, dude, <laughs> I live in Stanford, Connecticut now. You know, you'll have to fucking kill me to make me move to Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of segues, you're, you're up in WWE territory, brother. I am. I am. I am two exits uh, south of the uh, of Titan Tower, and I am a mile point five from their new building. So, um, dude, maybe, uh, maybe they'll give me a job because if they don't give me a job, <laughs> I might show a- up in uh, DX's um, little camouflage <laughs> Jeep. <laughs> yeah, dude, you got to be uh, you got to you got to train one day with somebody and go over there and just be like, can you put me in a dark match? And then, you know, you'll get killed <laughs> by like Roman or something. You know what I mean? So so here's here's the thing. Uh, one of the the reason you were recommended to me. Uh, is that you're a wrestling fan because, of course, after we went off air, uh, I would just start geeking out about wrestling, not even knowing if the people I was talking to were into wrestling. I <laughs> <laughs> just started talking about it. And, uh, yeah, so this is the thing because uh, everyone uh, listening to this should at least know uh, that I have a wrestling podcast that we do live. My friend and Charlie, uh, my friend Charlie and I uh, do a show called Last Week in Wrestling. It's a live stream, but then we also post it you know, podcast form, YouTube, all that stuff. And uh, so if we don't get all of our wrestling in, we, we, we have to do that. All right. But I, I do have to ask because I, all right, you know, whenever uh, Xbox got really popular and PlayStation was there and a lot of people were like, I'm an Xbox guy. And someone was like, I'm a PlayStation guy. And then it was like this like weird rivalry when it's like, <laughs> why can't you just like both? Um, a lot of people are that way with wrestling, right? I am not. However, uh, I do tend to align with certain pl- areas, and I will be completely forthright with it. However, I will make you wait because I'm curious. What do you gravitate towards in wrestling, or are you just a jack of all trades with the promotions? Oh, dude, I will watch anything that rocks if I have time. Now, it's easiest. To stay on top of WWE and AEW because they're on, you know, the channels where I could just set my Hulu DVR to record um, and they'll make me watch three and a half minute commercials every time I'm trying to fast forward and not remember (laughs) where I stopped it because Hulu is a pile of shit. It's so bad. (laughs) But um, those are my two main focus. Well, I mean, WWE encompassing NXT. I'll stay up to date on uh, their Five shows, NXT, SmackDown, Raw, Dynamite, Rampage. Uh, for a while, I was staying on top of New Japan, and then it just got too difficult because there's so much wrestling. Um, I wish I could stay on top of Impact more because Impact has a lot of um, wrestlers that I like. I was yeah. – uh, I would never miss NWA once they relaunched on YouTube with uh, Billy Corrigan, and then once they moved to fight – I fell off. 
I'll watch some of the pay-per-views sometimes, but watching, I think they're back on YouTube now and I'm, I'm blown away that I'm not back on because I adore Matt Cardona. Yeah. But, um, I would say if I had to, uh, Dude, it's hard to put it in a pecking order because obviously I'm a WWE loyalist because that's what got me into wrestling. Um, yeah. But because it was um, pop culture, you know, I, I watched. Oh, yeah. I watched WrestleMania three live, not caring about wrestling aside from I love the Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling cartoon. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. But then uh, late 89. um. I WWF was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like, yeah, I remember this. It only two years difference, but I, from seven to nine, huge difference. Um, I was like, Oh, let me start watching this a little bit. And then it was like, Oh man, I don't know if I care about anything else anymore. It was dude, baseball and wrestling were kind of like competing for a little while. Uh, but once WrestleMania six happened, over over (laughs) became a terrible student in school because like oh what are you doing like i don't need to like pay attention in school because i could draw pictures of the ultimate warrior and like hey let me just see if i could list 100 wrestling moves but uh (laughs) dude wait hold on are you a list guy i used to be i don't think i have the patience for you know what you know what's ridiculous i was about to say i don't think i have the patience for it right now about Three hours before this, I like took like a half hour break from doing other like press and shit. And <laughs> I was making a list of the Ric Flair action figures that I don't have yet. <laughs> That's what I dude. I'm a huge list guy. I was about to say that is a there's like this movie site called Letterboxd. I don't know if you're familiar with Letterboxd, but I have like four million lists of just I'm just like, let me think if let me see if I can create like the ultimate list of this or whatever. Um, no, I, I, I totally get that though. But, but speaking of WWE though, because it, here's my full transparency feelings about this. And we get, we've went on and on, especially last weekend when it was WrestleMania weekend and, uh, our, we covered like four, sh- uh, pay-per-views and, uh, cause we did, uh, dynamite and rampage, which we do every week. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we did ring of honor, Supercard of honor, which was great. And then we did. Uh, WrestleMania both, and then the NXT stand and deliver. So we covered mm-hmm. all of this. It took us like three hours, <laughs> but we that's pretty good for us too because our very first episode we talked about Dynamite and Rampage, and I think uh, whatever the last AEW pay per view was. I don't know why I'm forgetting Revolution. Uh, whatever. Revolution. Um, oh man, so far still pay per view of the year. <laughs> oh, you mean in general or just on AEW because it's the only one? <laughs> oh no no no! I mean as far as as wrestling goes. It was great, dude. And and here, so here, here's the thing, though. I, I, uh, so, okay. Let me let me start here. When uh, I think it was 2017, maybe, uh, I had the network, WWE Network, when it was on its own network, and uh, I'd had it, but I hadn't used it much for the past couple of years prior to that. And then I thought, you know what, man? I joined that band I mentioned, you know, and uh, our bassist and drummer were huge wrestling fans, and I was, I just had. All I ever used the network for were like documentaries that they made mm-hmm. or like fun stuff like that. Or it was like I'd go back and watch, you know, Royal Rumble 92 or something, you know, <laughs> like whatever. And so uh, basically I, I was just watching stuff I loved. And I and my bassist was like, dude, the, the best feud of all time is Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon. 
And I'm like, I don't believe you. Because I grew up, and I was uh, really into WCW. And because I grew mm-hmm. up in the church, my mom was super, super strict on some things. So I wanted to watch WWE or WWF at the time during the Attitude Era. But then they were like women with their like, you know, in like super skimpy, you know, swimsuits or whatever. And my mom was like, you can't watch that anymore. So, of course, I'd like sneak it. Like, yeah. you know, when she's in bed or whatever. But um, I missed a lot of the Attitude Era. Of course, I, I got it peripherally, but I was mostly in the NWO, like WCW camp at the time. So I missed a lot of that stuff. And my bass player was like, yeah, dude, the thing I love most about wrestling is the storytelling. Now, I was studying in graduate school storytelling. And I was like, wrestling storytelling sucks. I made that bold <laughs> statement, okay? Yeah. Because yeah. I was more of a technical guy. So I was like, let's get the Kurt Angles. The uh, Bret Hart's, you know, like give me the Crispin Wads, like whatever, like give me that really technical rest- wrestling thing. And um, yeah, he was like, dude, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, OK, I'll fine. I'll watch it. I'll watch it just so I have the uh, I can have an opinion, like an actual yeah. opinion. And so I started at Royal Rumble 1997 and I watched every Raw and every pay-per-view until WrestleMania 2006. And then after that, I stopped the Raws because I thought they were really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I watched every pay-per-view after that until like yes. now, I think maybe I can't remember or until recently, not the most recently, but probably like 2018 or something. Yeah. And but I watched every Raw. I didn't watch this all Smackdowns. I watched some. I kind of cherry picked those ones that came to be. Um, but I watched all of them. And holy shit, did I not realize how big of a WWF fan I was? Yes. And I'm watching all this stuff. And it is so great. Now, of course, there's a lot of stinkers in it, but nostalgia erases a lot of that and you're just like no just the really great stuff you know wrestlemania mm-hmm. 13 double turn bret hart versus stone cold incredible you know and there are like so many great matches but i'm just saying like that's one that always comes to mind so i did that and then uh i was like man maybe i will like give a lot of this newer stuff like a chance and my buddy was like uh, a different friend was just like dude you gotta you gotta watch daniel bryan he's the best in the world right and i'm like Okay, so I uh, I uh, I watch a little bit of this guy and then I watch a little bit of CM Punk, which, again, I was out of it for a long time. So these were like new experiences for me. By the time I watched it, they were both out, you know, because Daniel Bryan was the injury and Punk left. So I was like, holy shit, these guys are like. Stand out among the group of wrestlers at that time to me, Mm -hmm. and then it basically turned into a thing where it was like I felt like a lot of it was turning into a direction I just wasn't as huge a fan of by the time you get to the latter 2010s. And uh, I I have uh, admittedly been like a really big critic lately, though WrestleMania, dude, I'll tell you one thing that gave me a lot of hope. And I'm curious what you think of WWE now at large. And but also we can start with AJ, um, AJ versus Edge. WrestleMania. This last weekend. How did you feel about the AJ Styles Edge match? I wanted a little bit more. I think the finish was a little clunky on paper. Makes perfect sense. Totally get it. But like, well, what's what? What's the story? The story is we're trying to give Damian Priest the rub and make him, you know, as big of yeah. a star as possible. And he fits in with the kind of um the darker side of edge and you know, they, Hey, let's wear black. Remember the brood? Uh, yeah, cool. Cool. <clears throat> I, uh, I did want them. I wanted that to be 
uh, on my match of the year list. Yeah, you know what? I guess I am a list guy. Um, but also, <laughs> I Exposed. think... Exposed! Yeah, that match suffered for me personally from being on night two because night one was so goddamn good. And more importantly than good, you know, I this is where wrestling critics uh, or people who critique wrestling uh, differ. What's more important than being good is being really fun. And night one was I don't think the show was better than Revolution, but I had more fun watching it than I did Revolution. Now that could have been because I was letting myself eat a a bowl with six different flavored Tostitos and I was <laughs> high as hell on on two energy <laughs> drinks at the same time. Um either way, um I thought the match was fine. The story's not over, so it's also fine. I wanted it to be a little bit better, and I thought the finish was, you know, a little yeah. clunky. I, I agree with the finish for sure. Uh, I, that one, I was just like, what the fuck? Did, where did this guy come from? Because he seemed to just like appear. And then I'm also yeah. just like, and why is he here? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but like, like, oh, um, you're going to find out later. Yeah. But I mean, you know what? I could tell you what it's going to be later, even though they kind of said it on, on Raw. Oh, yeah, Edge is a legend, and, you know, he's going to teach me how to, to fucking kick ass. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, and, and yeah, so uh, that was actually my, in terms of in terms of matches, I think, were are, like, genuinely good, because there are other ones that are really fun. That was my, my uh, match of WrestleMania, actually. That well, was I'm it. glad, because it could have been that I just was a, a little burnt out from the night before, because... There's no reason Dude. for AJ and Edge not to be the best match. Right. I, and I really – I want AJ to have a a run with the world title as a babyface. I think it's like um, – it's time. Uh, yeah, let me cut this short. You know, who knows because I don't know if he's the one to take it from Reigns. But I don't know that he's not the one to take it from Reigns. With a proper story, that could be it. And, you know, I could see that could be a kind of like build up the SummerSlam, have him get the title there and then have him, you know, lose it at Survivor Series. Or, you yeah. know, um, I would like for him to have a longer run with it, you know, maybe to uh, Rumble or Mania again. But um, that's asking a lot. Well, Ro Roman has both now. So here's the thing, though. We have our uh, former AEW and first uh, jump over Cody Rhodes jumps over to WWE and on Raw he did mention that he's going for the title what chance do you think he has because you got to think of it this way real quick and everybody listening just 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 bide your time hold on i'm gonna nerd out a little bit all right so here's the thing if if vince fucks up this cody thing okay <laughs> which he very well could but if he fucks up this cody thing if you make him look like a million bucks and you nail it i feel like you have a much better chance at winning over some of this AEW talent than if you fuck this shit up and then everybody's going to be like, what, you're going to bring me over there and fuck it up? Now, he's already done a great job so far, I think, actually. Showcasing Cody that way, let him do whatever he wants, pretty much. Cutting promos. They're not holding him back at press things. You know what I mean? Like, he has a little freedom. Uh, but do you think he has a chance at actually beating? Because now to get a title, a, a head, like, world title, you have to beat Reigns. What do you do with that? So I think everything they've done with Reigns since his return has been some of the smartest and best stuff WWE has done since um, 
Kofi Kingston's ascent, Daniel Bryan's ascent, and CM Punk's proper ascent. Those are the other benchmarks behind, in my opinion, um, this run with Reigns. Having Reigns beat Lesnar, you know, as clean as possible with a little, little bit of, like, grit in there to, like, well, it was clean, but it wasn't exactly fucking perfect. If the story is told properly and with patience, Cody can straight up have his journey start WrestleMania 38 and tease it for SummerSlam or Survivor Series that is like, you know, have him bide his time. Have him yeah. have this long, um, do we respect each other? We don't, we're enemies. Do we kind of respect each other, but we're enemies? No, no, we have him stretch out this shit with Rollins for a long time. Have him talk a little bit about Reigns. Reigns, uh, cute kid, maybe, but I'm busy with uh, this other guy. Then Cody has to work with somebody else, and he has to bide his time up there until, like I said, SummerSlam or maybe Survivor Series. He's going for it. He's going for it. Hey, the program is there. Uh, Reigns, like, yo, look at me and look at you. I'm younger. Uh, you're older. Uh, my family's better than your family. Yada, yada, yada. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. No. You got to get through this obstacle and this obstacle. And you think, oh, of course he's going to get through these obstacles and have his match with Reigns. No, he does not have his match with Reigns. And something happens that not only do you not have your match, you got to go all the way to the bottom. Whatever. You could speak in these yeah. general terms because you can make anything work with wrestling. And then make him climb again and again. And this feud that's always under the surface and kind of takes his dip is really, really, really leading back up. Don't do something obvious and screwy like you're not allowed in the Royal Rumble and uh, all this shit. Now you come out number 30 and you win. Don't do that. Also, don't. Oh, man, you're really going for it. You have to be number one in the Royal Rumble and then you win. No. Have, no. <laughs> dude, I'm so sick of that shit. I'm so sick of surprise number 30 or, oh, you're number one. Um. Have it make Brock sense. was 30 last time, wasn't he? Yes. It's like, it come was, on. It was fucking terrible. Um, have him. There's a reason why he has to be in the rumble. And that's the only way he's going to get his chance. <clears throat> but have him come in so we could be in there for a little while. <clears throat> but it's not this stupid, obvious thing. He comes in number six, number seven. Have him win the rumble without any screwiness. And then, hey, you cannot deny me i uh undesirable and undeniable i won the royal rumble hey you know what maybe you do deserve it you know i'm roman reigns but like don't you dare touch me beforehand and this whole like oh you can't touch each other things that stipulation is great if you uphold it and don't have any weirdness um drag that on from late january till la wrestlemania and throw everybody at cody not in a uh, Hulk Hogan way, like, oh, we're going to bring uh, Walter Gunther from NXT. Don't, don't put all the monsters against him and just have him decimated. But have him, you know, channel that Dusty Rhodes underdog without the whole entire thing being based around my dad, my dad. But that has to be a big part of it. And then it's like, dude, it's 
Cody, who took him a year, a fucking year to get this one title shot. And it's this only title shot that not only has he taken a year, but it's taken a, a career because he's never had that world title shot in his career. And I don't even know if that's factually true. Say it anyway, because the truth doesn't matter in wrestling. <laughs> and then that's when you again, you this hasn't been brought up since, you know, uh, SummerSlam season. The fucking families. We have the Dusty Rhodes family and then the whole entire lineage of the Samoans family. Had that be the major thing. Don't turn the Usos on Reigns this entire year. For some reason, Usos, not even, oh, you're getting thrown out from ringside. You are not allowed at ringside. And if you show up, something really bad happens. So it's essentially. I I wish there would be a stipulation where it's not a no holds. It's not like a no DQ match or anything. But you know how if somebody runs in and hits you, I like you win because like someone from outside interfered and handicapped you in a way. Hey, make you, it you, where you, you, you know what that stipulation is. You incorporate these families, the lineage in there, and Cody after he's been he's gotten his because just say in my fancy you're leading up to WrestleMania and, and Royal Rumble to WrestleMania because he won. Royal Rumble, he's going for it. Uh, he can touch Reigns, and every but Reigns is throwing everything at him. So Cody has been getting his ass kicked, but somehow squeaking by to be on this. You know, also <clears throat> don't defeat Cody after WrestleMania, uh, after Royal Rumble if he wins. Don't do this like, um, oh well, he got beat by five. Got no, no, no. Cody does Did not lose yeah. a match, but that doesn't mean he's not getting his ass kicked all the time. Maybe after the matches. As we're leading up to WrestleMania, Cody says, you talk about your family all the time. I talk about my family, and I'm doing this for my family. Let's have a wrestling match where honor is just as important as the world title. I'm not going to have anybody interfere. You're not going to have anyone interfere. Shake my hand, and that's the only time we're even going to touch before WrestleMania. And you think you're honorable. You've had this title for three years at that point. And because Reigns knows who he is and in all actuality, you know, Reigns is the, the fucking man, especially at that point. He's three years the man. He doesn't need any of these tricks anymore. So at that point, it's straight up, and you're not to make the Ring of Honor comparison, but it straight up is honor because of your family and your bloodlines is just as important as the title. Let's have a one-on-one match. And dude, you want to even go past WrestleMania here? So Cody ends his three-year streak. It's this unbelievable thing. Every um, WWE guy who's even still like, nah, fuck Cody. He comes from AEW. They're going to be on board with Cody at this point. Anybody who's an AEW guy who is mad at Cody and WWE because of this, they're going to be, in my world, they're going to be sucked into this because Cody is um, magnetic. Uh, And then he beats Reigns. It's crazy. Whole world's going crazy. Reigns gets up, shakes Cody's hand, and leaves. The next day, everybody that's with Reigns turns on Reigns. Hey, guess what? After three years, now we have a babyface Reigns again that everybody loves. Everybody yeah. wins here. Who wants to give me a I, job? I, <laughs> I was thinking about like that is a good way if you ever want to turn Reigns again. He's had this for so long. If he gets beaten and then that 
hurts him enough that people start turning away because they see him as not the same. It is a good way to turn him. Uh, I we could do this for a very long time um, <laughs> because because I like I want WWE to be better at storytelling and they uh, their Roman Reigns stuff has been in the bloodline has been a really especially I was a big fan of whenever they were and I didn't I don't watch a lot of WWE anymore to be honest so I'll watch the pay-per-views and I'll watch highlights but um, I don't spend three hours watching raw anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not interesting to me, Um, but I did watch a lot. Like after WrestleMania, I watched a lot of those highlights, but there's, um, you know, the the reigns when Brock came back and all the Paul Heyman stuff and all the bloodline, like I was, I was like, man, this is interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. cause you, you're getting me too. like the guy that doesn't really even want to watch this. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, damn, like which side is Heyman going to go? And, and is Brock actually going to beat this guy? Like, you know, <laughs> like, cause I, I knew Cena wasn't going to beat Reigns whenever they did the thing. Cause he's going back to Hollywood. He's not yeah. going to stick around. And even if they brought the rock back in, what do they do? He's not going to win the title. Does he just come in and say, I'm going to knock you down a peg, which would work. But it's like, that's just like, you're just bringing old guys back in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. We, 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 we need, need no more of that. You know, no, if you want to bring blood, in, man. yeah. If you want to bring in an old guy as you know, old guy if you want to bring in the rock to do something bring him in to do something keep him away from the main event and the title picture uh especially at this point dude reigns is a fucking superstar so we don't wwe doesn't need the rock to take his place you know throw the rock in somewhere else and like that'll that'll be right same thing dude the way they used steve austin on night one excellent excellent so fun were you not so happy for that guy he finally got his farewell. You know what I'm saying? Because whenever he, he wrestled he, yeah, the Rock, he, when he wrestled the Rock at uh, what was it, 19 or 21, 19. whichever. What? Yeah. Anyways, whenever he was there, no one knew he was quitting, so he just like had a match and stopped. But Dude, this is just like we all every, know we're done. Everything about that was great. I was against them not promoting it as a match leading up to the entire thing until Austin sat down and I, and I said, oh, you know what? I'm wrong. They did this perfect because it's so much more exciting for them to just bullshit back and forth. Oh, now we're going to have a match. So, And then the next day when McMahon gets in there and Stone Cold <laughs> comes back out and that huge pop, dude. I mean, I, to be honest, I, when McMahon started like clothesline and McAfee, I was actually like, I hate this. But when Stone Cold came out, though, I was like, all right, dude, give me the worst stunner I've ever seen. And then he did. So, yes, he, yes. you know, he <laughs> Like, yeah, so he even, th- he even popped Stone Cold a bit because he couldn't even keep a straight face, <laughs> <Yeah>. dude. <laughs> I think WWE has a little bit of a hard time with storytelling outside of the main event. Um, yeah, which is in all actuality, when WWE was at their hottest during you know the Attitude Era, that was kind of a thing too. Everybody had an angle, which is great, but it wasn't always um, uh, very solid or consistent but the main event was was killer where wcw on the opposite side oh the main event oh it's nwo so like who cares but it's like yo these matches aren't delivering the storytelling is flimsy outside of the first year or you know year and five months of nwo but the undercard was fantastic because it was you know athletic um so i I think everything they've been doing with uh reigns and brock has been excellent um I think Bianca Belair's storytelling has been so long term that 
I got mad because I was like, oh, what are they doing? This sucks. Till I, I was getting fooled by not understanding that they are actually doing long-term storytelling. And I love being wrong when it comes to wrestling, especially when it means, you know, I'm being cynical and shitty and they give me something good. So, um, you know, wrestling is just like uh, music and specifically hardcore. Uh, it is what you make of it. And um, to a certain extent, uh, if you're fixated on when you liked it the most as a kid, nothing's ever going to be as good now. But if you're open minded oh, yeah. and realize that the world doesn't revolve around your nostalgia, there is always good to be found. There's always good bands to be found in modern music and there's always good wrestling to be found in modern wrestling, regardless of what company you're looking for. And um, like you were saying before about the Attitude Era. The good stuff is so good that it makes you forget about the stuff that's fucking god awful. And it's hard to do that in the moment. Yes. Yeah. Dude, whenever I was watching all those pay-per-views after I stopped watching all the Raws, I was watching all those pay-per-views and then I started watching like Wrestle Kingdoms I missed. And I started watching like all these other pay-per-views when I started watching AEW Weekly when it first started. Yeah. Because I was lucky enough to start like right away when it first started. And I'm watching these shows. And it wasn't a pay-per-view. And all I watched were pay-per-views. <laughs> so yeah. my my bar for good wrestling was like only pay-per-view level all the time. So then when I was watching weekly shows, I'm like, the fuck is this? Yeah. And then yeah. like it took me a little while to acclimate and like reprogram my brain on this is wrestling. Pay-per-views are an exception. Like mm -hmm. these matches are something. This is where they tear themselves apart. Right. <laughs> but they're not going to like hurt themselves for this thing. Right. Yeah. Even though like someone like Darby Allen kills himself every time. Every He's night. Gonna, yeah. Like, I don't know how that dude's going to have a career after, like, five years. But uh, good on him, Dan. His shit's awesome. But, like, that I, AEW, I will just say, like, completely reinvigorated my love for wrestling. Where I just started, like, watching. And I just feel like it's gotten so much better. And now they have, like, Brian Danielson. They have CM Punk. They have Samoa Joe now, dude. Holy shit. Like, I'm, I mean, dude, it's, it's also interesting because whenever you watch a lot of these guys in WWE... It's not like watching them there. You know what I'm saying? Like you watch yeah. Brian Danielson. It's not like watching him when he's Daniel Bryan. And yeah, so it's like very it's not few, there's very few people who can excel in uh, WWE as well as wrestling overall because WWE is a wrestling company. I'm, I'm, no matter what anybody says, especially WWE people, WWE is a wrestling company. But there is WWE and then there's the rest of of wrestling. So I think mm -hmm. there's very few people that could succeed or um, excel highly in both. Uh, and some excel tremendously in one and fail in the other or is mediocre in the other. Um, but I love that there's two mainstream promotions going on that are both wrestling, but they're very different. Uh, I think it's, it's great. More, is better. You know, like you said, you were into WCW and younger, even 1990, when I really, really, you know, like I said, WrestleMania 6 changed my life. It wasn't like, oh, and then there's a thing called NWA, WCW, like, oh, this sucks. No, 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 no. It was like, oh, more? I could watch yeah. more? Like, oh, Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Sting, the Steiner brothers. Yo, this is sick. And then, like, Ron hey, Simmons, dude. Ron <laughs> Simmons. And then, you know, you know, when one goes from one company to the other and like they change a little bit, that shit is so fun. And where then it happened, to, you know, all throughout the 90s, 2000s, we didn't really get it. And now we're getting it again. It's so sick. It's so sick. Yeah. I love it.
Yeah. So for the sake of time, I'm going to cut us off with wrestling. We can, we ha- I have a whole podcast we can do that as long as oh, we Oh, we'll do it. We'll do it. So uh, the, the thing is, I just want to touch on, just for the sake of time here, I want to make sure that we get a little time in with these movies. And I want to talk a little bit about some of your favorites. You already mentioned Tarantino. You already mentioned uh, Marvel and Star Wars and these things. Um, but, you know, when I, when I usually have new guests on, I like to ask, um, what are some movies? And I know I'm, I, I didn't prep you for this. So that's on me. That's fine. But what are some movies what I say that kind of changed your life, what I mean by that is that changed how you look at other movies. Do you get what I mean? Yes. So when absolutely. I saw Pulp Fiction, for example, uh, that movie, I, I let me rephrase that. When I started, I watched in 2003, I saw the film Amelie. OK, mm-hmm. and that changed everything. And I started saying American movies are stupid. And I'm <laughs> going to watch foreign films. Right. And then I start watching these like 60s French new wave like art films and i'm watching like japanese samurai and then pulp fiction's what brought me back to the u.s because it was something super unique to me those two movies are very pivotal and they have shaped the lens in which i watch movies today right and of course i mean there's so many i could name but i'm curious like what are some of those for you what were kind of like these pivotal titles that just made you go fuck this is so great and i want this to be a part of my life forever (laughs) Uh, the Shining, I mean, horror, thriller, mystery, other, whatever. Um, I remember seeing that as a kid and then as a teenager and then as a young adult and then as an adult. And you get different things from it at every point in your life. Um, same thing, Pulp Fiction, first time I saw this, what the fuck did I just see? And it had just come <laughs> out on VHS. And my friend had shown me, I was like, dude, what? And then very quickly, he's like, oh, yeah, you like that? Let's this director, his first movie, Reservoir Dogs. I was like, yo, yo. So those were movies. He's how I learned about directors, too, by the way. I didn't know what a director was. Yeah. So my friend did the same thing. Yeah. But then at that point, it's like, oh, so I guess now I'm like a fan of whatever this guy makes. I don't even know who this guy is. It's like, oh, he's uh, Jimmy from Pulp Fiction. Jimmy directed this movie? Like, he's (laughs) Jimmy. Uh, So uh, those movies, and then, you know, like I said, a huge Tarantino mark. Um, I always want to have like a long conversation with somebody about ranking the Tarantino movies. But on the other hand, I never want to do that because it's like – ranking your children yeah i, I um, have a list by the way i can do that anytime you want <laughs> i think i made this list like not too long ago because we were going to use this for a topic of um one of our youtube shows but we didn't get around to doing it um memento yeah was a movie that one of my friends said oh you like tarantino movies you'll love this movie and it's kind of like from the directors that were first influenced by Tarantino. So these are like, at that time, younger guys that like, oh my God, Pulp Fiction was crazy. Look what I could do now. I think it got a little out of control after that. But uh, Memento was very cool because it was somebody who wasn't Tarantino doing something that, whether this is correct or not, I put in that sphere of, oh, this is Tarantino-ish because, you know, it yeah, well, it makes sense. I promise, one. but it doesn't make yeah. sense. 
Well, no, you're 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 not wrong, and you're not alone because uh, in when Pulp Fiction came out, it was so unique that uh, by the time 2000 came out, and Memento was there. There was also a film by um, Alejandro Inarritu who did uh, like Birdman and stuff. He did a movie called Amores Peros uh, the same year, and uh, both of those have like weird time. Of course, like Memento's front and back, and then Amores Peros is uh, there's a wreck. And then it's like all of these, what happened before it and how all of these people are tied together kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Uh, but the time's all fucked up. So uh, if you look at reviews at the time, there are a lot of critics that will review them and go, this is just like a Pulp Fiction ripoff, which is funny because if you watch it now, we just use time in yes, movies yes. all the time. So when you watch Memento, you don't go, oh, that's Pulp Fiction. It's just like a fucking movie that did a creative thing. But at that time, no one was like there just wasn't it wasn't oversaturated or ubiquitous that type of editing or whatever uh, that people were calling those movies which they're they feel nothing like Pulp yeah Fiction Dude, at I, all. I love shit like that bands get that all the time like yes. when a, you know um in the early 80s after you know kill them all and ride the lightning came out anything that was was Oh, you know, it's kind of Metallica-ish or, you know, oh, this just sounds like Slayer. But then as we get on and on, you know, even Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, Exodus, Testament, none of those bands sound the same at all. No. But, you know, you first reviews back in the 80s, like, oh, well, this band already did this. Like, nah. Yep, yep. And and if you don't have other things to compare it to, it's automatically and people always that have thing. To, yes, and people always have to like make these comparisons like, oh, dude, I, I just heard this new band. You got to check them out. Oh, well, like, who do they sound like? Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, they're good. But well, on the other hand, it. you know, so yeah. it's, you know, it's easier and it sometimes is fun also. Yeah. Um, other movies that change the way I look at movies. Well, um, uh, tell me this, though, because you, you're a Marvel fan. I'm sure that just the MCU in general has kind of just like been a huge part of your life, of course. Okay, so um, huge comic book guy from, same. you know, 80s and 90s. When I was younger, like, all right, so what comic book movies do we have? Like, all right, well, we have the Tim Burton Batman movies. My opinion, both amazing. I might even prefer Batman Returns to the first one. Uh, the Superman Christopher Reeves movies, um, cool, but, you know... Really, like, mind-blowing for the time for a lot of critics, but now they've been outdone, let's just say. Yeah. Um, But then, like, well, we had that shitty Captain America movie in 91, um, that Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie that never came out officially, Um, and there there was just nothing. So there was uh, X-Men, the animated series, and Batman, the animated series, and it's like, yo, I just – I always want continuity. Um, so I would hunt down every single, uh, cartoon based on a comic book and I would straight up, here we are with the list again, make lists of, all right, this is, uh, the first appearance of this guy animated. And I would try to link it all together, knowing full well, none of these cartoons are linked together. Um, what 2000, we get, uh, X-Men and then X2 and X-Men 3 and um, like, oh, here we go, here we go. Yep. But then Spider-Man comes out. Spider-Man and X-Men aren't linked. I'm like, all right, yep. cool, whatever. And then Fantastic Four with Jessica Alba comes out. And those movies aren't good, but I like them. And I'll watch anything in the world with Jessica Alba. <laughs> but then, yeah. you know, oh, Iron Man in uh, 2008. 
And it's it's crazy because to me, Iron Man's always been a major character, and everyone's like, "Oh, Marvel took this risk on this obscure character, Iron Man." Like obscure character, nineteen sixty eight, motherfucker. What are you talking about? But yeah. whatever. And then Incredible Hulk comes out. You know what? Four years after that, just Hulk movie comes out, or vice versa, whatever. Yeah, two thousand four was the uh, Eric Bana one. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's like like four six years something like that. Yeah, and Nick Fury and. And or Tony Stark show up at the end of Hulk and it's like, yo, I know what you're doing and that is something that I do like. And then Iron Man (laughs) 2 and then, you know, Thor and Captain America and I was like, yo, because I wasn't like researching this stuff on the internet. So I was like, oh, these movies are all one thing. I fucking finally. Um, And then, you know, once Avengers comes out, it's like. You know, hey, this is going to be a thing. And uh, 2008, I was already 28, and now I'm 41, and I'm probably more excited for this um, universe and connected everything. Uh, Dude, I love continuity, and I love um, chronology, Um, almost to like an ADD um, or like – not ADD. Like an OCD thing. And dude, I'm like this with wrestling sometimes also. If I'm going to watch like, oh, I want to watch this random pay-per-view. Like, well, that's the blow off of this. So I kind of have to go back and like, I can't start at WrestleMania 6. I got to go back to um, at least Royal Rumble 90. But then it's like, well, I got to watch the TV shows in between. It's it's almost like too much. But uh, dude, I love, love, love it. And not just because like, oh, cool. I never thought I'd be able to see comic book movies. Um that are good and consistent, but I actually think the storytelling is wonderful. And I think uh, the acting in most of them and Hey, maybe I have a low bar. Maybe I don't, I don't know. But um, Chris Evans, Captain America, if not, Oh man, I could probably only think of two. (sighs) He's definitely in my top five of favorite, film characters ever i mean that's up there with uh jamie fox django and um john travolta vincent vega and um you know everybody playing obi-wan kenobi and you know like my favorite movies and my favorite characters chris evans captain america is right up there with them that's interesting At, at this point like I'm sure a lot of other people think this, but like, dude, I I can't watch any Captain America movie or Avengers movie without like getting choked up at some point because Chris Evans, Captain America, like it gets me, you know? Yeah. Uh, but even though I wouldn't put any of these movies up there, um, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine also, like it carries so much like weight and it's just played so, so perfectly. And um, Captain That's America actually, was uh, like, eh, Captain America's cool. But prior to these movies, it was like just a cool character to me. Yeah. But now Captain America is probably number three in my favorite of comic book characters behind only Spider-Man and Wolverine. And I'm convinced that I am some part Wolverine because I am also hairy as hell and five foot and have a terrible temper. But like, I promise I'm a nice guy. 
<laughs> it's uh, I was actually going to ask you about uh, Logan because you have you have a lot of uh, MCU inspired a lot of superhero movies, including the DCEU, even if they want to be their own thing, um, they are still inspired by that kind of template of superhero movie. But then you get these offshoots a bit, and I don't want to keep you much longer. I, I, I'm trying to be mindful of your time here. Oh, it's all but, good, man, because I really, really love this conversation. So it's all good. <laughs> well, I'll just say this. Uh, like, you know, with uh, something like, I guess, where where do things that are a bit more uh, off the beaten path with superheroes, like Logan, or even something like, uh, like uh, I, I would go as far as to say the director's cut of Watchmen, but like the 2009 Watchmen, or some of these kind of like offshoot superhero uh, thing, or even the Batman stuff, whether it's Nolan's or this new stuff coming out. I mean, like, where does that fit? Because those don't feel, feel anything to me like MCU. Those feel like their own things. <laughs> And I would even throw the Raimi Spider-Mans, particularly the first two, <laughs> and uh, the X-Men movies, particularly the first two. Uh, but those earlier ones, I would say those also don't really feel like the MCU. Uh, the MCU kind of changed the game in that way. But how do you feel about movies outside of that MCU feel like some of the ones I mentioned? Same thing. Logan. Oh, you could watch Logan without crying three to four times. I, <laughs> you, you have no heart whatsoever <laughs> um dude logan is artwork that That's movie is, is artwork i thought the the wolverine also really really great movie um, dude i thought let me just say this real quick about the wolverine i thought the end of the wolverine was really really unsatisfying but but here's the problem though most of my friends that don't like that movie are like the end sucks but i think that movie rules it's just the last confrontation sucks but that movie's awesome. Yo, the the Silver Samurai of it all in that movie, it it almost Take didn't a hike. need to be there. Um, and I, it's been a little while since I watched that movie, and I totally even forgot that that was a part of it. Yeah. So take that part out. Uh, such a good movie. Um, what else did you mention, um, dude? The the the, the, fir the first two Spider Mans, Spider Men, Spider Men. Uh, Spider-Man Spider 1 and 2 with Tobey Maguire. I don't like them as much as I used to, but I, I have like I have memories of those being like my favorite superhero movies for a little while. Um, X-Men 1 is uh, unbeatable. Uh, Watchmen. You like that more than 2? You like X-Men 1 more than 2? I like X-Men 1 more than 2 because... I love it, both of them, but go ahead. Yes, yes. I, 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 I love both of them. X-Men 1 with that being the first, even if I don't, same thing, I don't think it's as great as I did when I first saw it anymore because I have so much more to compare it to, but you will never be able to get uh, me watching that movie from 2000 to like uh, 2015 or so without like, oh, this was the first great Marvel superhero movie. Um, the introduction of um, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Like, yeah. dude, I never thought anybody would play that part as perfect as, um, oh, I don't remember his name. The dude Hugh who Jackman? plays him in uh, X-Men, the animated series, the guy who does his voice. Oh, 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 yeah. Um, what, Watchmen is probably one of my favorite movies ever. I mean, in all actuality, um, that movie 
is as good as the book to me. Different. Dude. Dude, and dude, I dude. really okay. appreciate the differences on the movie where like I've read that book so many times. Sometimes like I really want to go read that book and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch the movie and I feel just as satisfied. And I like, you know, any movie from a book, you got to exclude some things. They sure. excluded the perfect things. I, I agree. And let me say this. I saw it in theaters in 2009 with a big group of friends and uh, was not a fan. Um uh, it was fine. I mean, I didn't dislike it, but I just wasn't like a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, years later, I found I don't remember why, but I just decided I wanted to watch. It. I think I was just watching superhero stuff I'd missed. And I figured well, I'll rewatch this. I need a, a new kind of a fresh take. And this is probably 2014, 2015, 2013, somewhere in that like mid, early to mid to 2010s. And uh, I watched the director's cut instead because I was like, well, I haven't seen this. And. Now, I would have to go back and watch the theatrical version to see how much of this is actually accurate. But in my brain, that seems like the perfect, if anybody wants to see the difference between a director's cut and a theatrical, this is all the difference because most of the scenes are there. Uh, But the scenes breathe a bit better and things kind of just flow a bit more nicely. And also, I hadn't read the comic at that time yet either. Mm -hmm. So I went into that and that was my first introduction into that. So I was a huge fan. I watched the complete edition, which adds an extra half an hour because it has like animated scenes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I the director's cut is it for me. Like that's yes. the middle one. That's that's it. And that is actually if on my list is my favorite superhero movie. However, I'd, I would really need to reevaluate that as well. <laughs> but anyways, my point is uh, the end, though, I actually love that they changed the end. Yes. Because I think it would be hokey as shit if they tried to do what's in the book, though in the comic it's perfect. But I don't know how they would have done that. But I actually love the political and personal development of certain characters because of how they changed it. Um, So Dr. Manhattan, you know, in the comic, everyone knows it's this monster, right? But in this one, you have this whole play on Dr. Manhattan's character. Dude, I, I love that movie. I'm so yeah. glad that you like this movie because that's kind of a polarizing one when I talk to some people. Because oh, dude, like, if okay. you if you take out the the xenophobic nature and the misogyny and all the problematic parts, the like obviously and purposely purposefully written problematic parts of the character Rorschach. So take out all the things that Rorschach would, you know, be canceled for nowadays. I feel I have such a connection to that character. The way he <laughs> yeah. the way he views the world, um, the way um he is so he has to be a part of it, but he just does not want to be a part of it. And not just because, yeah. oh, I'm antisocial, like there and he and you know takes part in antisocial behavior. Um it's because he sees things that other people don't see, so much so that he's a fucking basis character around a Rorschach test. Um, dude, I have channeled that character so much while writing lyrics for early Extinction AD. I straight yeah. up, I straight up stole a line from uh, Rorschach for um, the first Extinction AD album. Yeah, dude, that that is uh, it, what when I first saw that it reminded me. Have you ever, have you ever seen uh, Taxi Driver? Oh, t- <laughs> yeah. 
So okay, Man. sorry. <laughs> if you if, if 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 the listeners had seen his face, it was like you fucking kidding me asking me that question. <laughs> Taxi driver. The thing with Travis Bickle is whenever he's driving his cab and he's just talking about the gutters of the city and how terrible everything is and we need to wash it all away, you know. And he's just like talking shit about like this city he's driving around in because he just sees it as this cesspool of evil. And then you go watch Rorschach and you're like, fuck, were you inspired by like Travis Pickle to some extent? You just have different motivations because you're a superhero, basically. I think that and then the the final conundrum, like what comics deal with this shit? And Alan Moore's like, fuck you, I'm going to get real. And he deals with the it's that classic, uh, you know, what do you do if if you can only save your child or a school bus full of children, (laughs) you know, like that kind of like which one is is. You know, or 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 if we got to blow up this plane full of people, but it has X Y Z on it, and it's going to cause you know way more destruction. Uh, like, which side do you choose? Do you let the people on the plane live, or do you blow it up because it'll save a million people? Like, what's the thing? And I love that even Doctor Manhattan in the movie is just like, no, this is right. We have to do this. And Rorschach is so dedicated to what he justifies as correct. That he's like, no, I will die to make sure that, like, I'm being, I have integrity in my beliefs, right? Even yeah, if you these, disagree with them, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, these are characters that I relate to. And I mean, there's that similar, very different character, but there's that similar thing with Wolverine, where yeah. Wolverine has, uh, he's treated like an animal over and over and over again. And he has this rage. But he has this unwavering um, moral compass. And same thing with Rorschach, even if it's, you know, incorrect, it is very, very correct to him. And it's he's not uh, neither one of those characters ride on these like um, it's not like justifying like some dude on this racist quest. You know, they do have like um like a feeling of like uh, not benevolence, but like righteousness, uh, which anybody, if they really look before judging, can understand if if anything else where they're coming from. Same thing with Travis Bickle, but it, then it's what they do with it, where almost all the time Wolverine does the right thing. Uh, Rorschach, mm, yeah, is he doing yeah. the right thing? Sometimes, like from a certain point of view, oh. Yes, this guy knows. Another one point of view, yo, this legit is like this crazy fucking bum. And then Travis Bickle straight up like, well, and it's 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 crazy because his moral compass is kind of screwy and then kind of seems like it's going to level out and then goes completely haywire. And then yeah. in the end, oh, he just he just does the right thing. He's very selfless and very caring. It's like, whoa, what a fucking complex character. All three very complex characters and yeah. very different. But, you know, I could see the three of them and, you know, one more being on the same Survivor Series team. <laughs> Tying it all together, dude. <laughs> That's so good. I just all I'm going to say about this is I think Rorschach and Night Owl are such a great um like duo too, because Rorschach is the guy who goes way too far and he has way too much pride and integrity in what he's doing that even if he sees that this is no longer the right thing, he will fulfill it because that is what he thinks is right. And Night Owl is such an everyman, just a geek. You know what I mean? 
like just this normal guy who just so happens to be able to do cool shit and has like a lot of money and has these uh, cool like ships and stuff. (laughs) Um, And I love their dynamic because, again, it's like the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and they kind of bring that out of each other. Right. Uh, Rorschach's constantly pulling Night Owl his direction. Night Owl's constantly reeling back Rorschach and they have such a great uh, dynamic. But man, whenever when a superhero because I love superheroes, I love comics. And that's a whole nother thing we could talk about sometime. But the the thing about uh, superhero movies is often um, I just I I want that thing that that uh, both Logan and Watchmen and a handful of others have that thing where like this is entertaining as fuck for me just as a movie, but also like damn like you're leaving me with these things I can kind of chew on, mm-hmm. and there's like more to this than just like this simple narrative you're telling me you're like developing these characters. You know what I mean? And you're like, like you said, like Rorschach's really complex. And the thing I got to give credit to Zack Snyder about is like he did with 300 and others. He's really good at emulating the sources that he's creating. Right. And then when I watch his movies on his own, I don't think they're that great. (laughs) But whenever he has like great source material to work on, he's super fucking good at making that thing accurate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I got to give him huge props. The fact that that is like so high on my list and was directed by him blows my mind all the time. And I have to give him complete credit where credit is due because that movie is awesome. Uh, Leave me off with one more thing, because, again, for time's sake, we're already past what we planned. So here, here's the thing. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a simple proposition here. With, or not proposition, but a, a choice with Star Wars. Are you a classic trilogy guy? Are you a new Star Wars guy? Are you a prequels guy? Which I can't imagine. Or are you just bring it all? There's your ABCD. There's your multiple choice. Oh, I thing. am D as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, how, dude. Uh, how? Okay, go for it. I mean, the first um, major, I guess, is I okay. Not fair to say connected universe because it's oh Star Wars one two seventy five, but uh, immersive franchise in films that I uh, cared about, sunk you know, invested sure. in um, classics first. You know, I you know it was around for all of it. You know, the big boom as a kid, and then again later on, like um, early '90s, like right before, um, right before the first uh, VHS repackage, yeah, um, all in, and then you know hearing about um, you ever see uh, that documentary from Star Wars to Jedi, and they're like, oh, we had to cut the Jabba the Hutt scene. It's like, yeah, oh my yeah. god, one day I would love to see that scene, and then a couple of years later, yo. The special edition, which everybody hated, not me. Um, hey, dude, I actually that was because that was on VHS. It was like the a, gold, a huge like yeah. Was it like I don't remember if it was three or six tapes, but anyways, all I three. remember is those came out. I, tell me if I'm wrong, but those came out when the new, uh, like the prequel started coming out, right? Two years before, so they okay. put them out in theaters, um, or they were playing the original movies in theaters. Yeah. In the mid '90s, and then they released the special editions on the gold VHS, and people complaining about them. Hey, 
if you don't like the special edition, watch the regular. It's no big deal. Um, and if you don't have the regular and now, oh, all you can do is watch a special edition, hey, well, stop fucking complaining and posing because if you're that young, then you should not have this judgment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am. I have to admit, I am a little bitter at Lucas because he ruined the original Masters. We will never see the original. However, whenever when I was uh, when I was a kid, though, or later teenager, when those special editions came out, I loved them. Yes, because I loved that they kind of kept the integrity for the most part of what's going on. But they would add stuff in the windows. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah. They would like and- enhance these little things. I had no problem with it. I was a kid, but still. And I mean, and they've changed them so many times. We went from Luke shot first to Greedo shot first to they shot at the same time to uh, they shoot at the same time, but Greedo shoots before by like a few frames or like you know, a few dozen frames. People say frames, not knowing what frames actually means. And I, there's another podcast I listen to all the time that I absolutely love. And they go, oh, I'm going to go frame by frame. Like, yo, you don't know what that means. You can't go frame by frame. You'll be here for 75 <laughs> hours. Um, yeah, exactly. But Prequels came out so, so excited because, yo, new Star Wars for the first time, you know, since I was fucking three listening to Def Leppard. Uh, so excited. Saw every one of those prequels on opening day twice. Um, oh, but Jar Jar Binks is so crappy. Who gives a shit? You don't like Jar Jar Binks? Ignore Jar Jar Binks. It's not like a pivotal <laughs> plot point, really. Who cares? Um <sighs> So never hated the prequels. Um, and then, hey, we're going to do uh, a new trilogy. Give me more. I had, like had my alarm set on my smartphone at that point for when they were going to put out the trailer. And I spent so long, probably like an hour watching that trailer. Like, I'm going to watch it. Oh, my God, that was sick. I'm going to give myself like 10 minutes. I'm at work. No, I'm going to watch it again. And, um, <laughs> set, we, I, oh, I man, just imagine Force you Awakens go- is just the same thing as the... Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say. I imagine you talking to all your bandmates, just like guys. I just watched this trailer. You have to watch this. (laughs) Just like geeking out so hard. Yeah. um, (laughs) And then, dude, like the critic, the criticism of Force Awakens, like, oh, it just rehashed the first movie. Like, yo, the same person who's complaining about that is the one who shit on the prequels for being too different. Shut up! I don't want to hear it. Um, Love the Force Awakens. Last Jedi, oh, I don't know. It's too weird. It's too different. Oh, my God. You can't fucking win with these people. Just enjoy it. And The Last Jedi, I actually left the theater being like, ooh, that's the first time I ever left a Star Wars movie feeling like, ooh. And then I discussed it with one of my friends uh, when we were about to go see it again. So we had like an hour-long discussion about it. Went and watched it again. After we were done watching it, I said, hey, you know what? I can't remember one thing about it that I didn't like the first time. <laughs> Loved it <laughs> the second time. So, dude, every I'm going to go into anything that I already like, wanting to like it. And if it's really bad, I'll pro- I will be disappointed. And I'll either give it a second chance or I'll just ignore it. You know, like – how many yep. more times can you get mad at the new record Metallica is going to put out? Like, see, that's, you know, <laughs> that's my thing. So, see, I, I have to watch all this shit. You know what I mean? Because I, I have the show to do and I have articles to write. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have to watch this shit so other people either do or don't have to. But my thing, my big thing across the board ever since I started was I just want people to find stuff they love. I don't exactly. care if I like it. I want you to like it. Right. So um, it's that would be a really fun conversation to have with you sometime about some of this, 
because uh, I can be a pretty harsh critic about the MCU and Star Wars. But the thing is, man, those original Star Wars movies. Holy moly. Uh, love those. And and the uh, and you know what? The Force Awakens was uh, I actually had a really great time. So so you used a line that I've talked about a lot where you're like, just enjoy it. <laughs> you were like getting mad at these critics, you know, and and my, my big thing has always been like, you know, d- it depends. It's subjective. It depends on what you enjoy. Right. And if if there's a movie that offers you very little beyond here is what we are offering you for enjoyment. Right. There's not a ton of subtext. It's more of like this exists in this world and this is entertainment. Right. And if that does not entertain you, then I can't just enjoy it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you okay. know what I mean? But so, but here's the thing, though. I'll just say this. Force Awakens, the first one, was one I could actually enjoy. They were emulating a lot of the original stuff. Mm-hmm. They were introducing new characters. I don't really give a shit if there's a ton of subtext or it's doing a whole lot of stuff. I don't care. I had a good time with it. And I want other people to have a good time with it. Okay, so like someone who's like a professional critic, critique away. That's your job. When there's somebody that I know loves Star Wars, but I know they're going into the theater because they have to, but they're already going in with a bad attitude and they're going to pick apart everything because it doesn't match up. Like nothing is going to match up to what you remember from when you were seven. It's it's never, ever going to happen unless you go in. Hey, I spent so long loving this thing, whether that's um, Star Wars or Metallica. I'm going to go in with an open mind. Uh, and especially like certain the things I love, I just so really much. I have so much love for them that they have such good faith f- with me that if I don't like it on first watch or listen, I'm going to give it more attention and yeah. see if there's something I could like about it. And sometimes you need to just get familiar with something. And I don't think it's forcing yourself to like something. If you don't like something, you're not going to like it, no matter how many times yeah. you like it or uh, watch it or listen or whatever. Um, so that's the attitude. Uh, I can't stand about, you know, it, any any type of fandom. If yeah. uh, you like something from your childhood, that stuff is always there. Go back and continue enjoying Just go back that and, do, and, and ignore. So, real quick, do you play video games at all? No, I haven't been a video okay. game guy since I was like real young. Yeah, so there's a game called Final Fantasy VII. It's like my favorite game of all time. And uh, they just did a remake of this game. And a lot of people are kind of bitching about it. You know, I mean, a lot of people liked it. It was very successful. But it was like a lot of some people bitching about it because of this difference. And it's not turn based, blah, blah, like all these little mechanic things. Yeah. And my thing is like, just go play the fucking original. It's there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yes. my thing. Or like um, or like with movies, for example, you know, like I would have never seen the director's cut of Watchmen and fell in love with it. If I didn't give it another chance, my big mm-hmm. thing is I think people every five to ten years give something a chance. If it's in, if it like originally interested you, of course, don't watch shit you know you hate. But it's like give something a chance. If you weren't a huge fan, you're in a different point in your life. You have a different lens in which you're looking at the world now. You've lived life. You have experiences that could change it. I have some uh, Indiana. I, I'm from Indiana, but I have some Indiana film critic fans or uh, film critic members. I don't know what I'm trying to say. And yeah, film critics. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And um, but uh, that come on the show regularly. And that's something that we always kind of talk about is it's just like rewatch stuff every once in a while and see how that evolves. And and uh, you might find something you really love that you just didn't get or you couldn't connect with. You were 18 and you watched a movie about someone at the end of their life trying to cope with death. That probably will be a lot different than when you become <laughs> like 40. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Like, it's just a little different. And dude, um, music and- music is like that also. Some of my favorite records 
are records that I legitimately did not like the first time I listened to them. Uh, even ones for bands that are like in my top 20 of bands. The first Biohazard record I listened to, State of the World Address, which is my favorite and I think is their best record, I was copying it from a friend. He says, you got to listen to this. He gave me the tape. I brought it home and I was listening to it while I was copying it. And I considered not even finishing copying the entire record because I was like, yo, I hate this. Like, this isn't cool. Like, what is it about this I'm supposed to like? But then I copied the whole thing and I was giving him the tape back. He's like, what do you think? I was like, I got to listen to it again. And then even on that second listen, it was like when I watched The Last Jedi the second time, like, I don't even know what it was about this that I didn't fall in love with on first listen. It yeah. just first listen did not like it. Second listen. Oh, this is probably my favorite record right now. Um, so, you know, and that's also from the brain of a 13 year old or 14 year old or whatever. But um, I, I guess I've never lost that, which is either a good thing. Cause like, Oh, you have an open mind or a bad thing. Like, Oh, you've never evolved past 13 years old, but whatever, <laughs> whatever works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, I, I'm on your bus, and I, I, I really can't stand when people uh, go into something not wanting to like it. That's always my goal, and if I can't do that, I won't watch it. So between you and – well, between you and me, like, we're not on air. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but like, something I've always had a hard time with going into it is the Fast and the Furious franchise. I just, like, feel too critical already. Mm -hmm. I've seen the first one. I've seen the third one. I didn't like them when I saw them, but that was a long time ago. I'm, I'm due for a, a refresh – but also, I, I, just as a critic and as like a guy, I have to watch all of them now. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just need to have an opinion and I need to watch them all. I did that with Bond, too. I watched all – at the time, there was 24 movies. I just marathoned them because I didn't have an opinion because I'd only seen like four of them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> um, and so, like, I have to do that. But I, I refuse to go into it like what you described some of your friends or, or different people are where it's like, I'm not going to like this, but I'll watch it. Why waste my time? Like, yeah. I want to give it a good shot. I want to like this movie. And if I can't want to like it, I won't watch it yet. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I, I, I'm, I'm totally on your bus, man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and cut it off now, man. Let's let's cut it. I, I'll have you back on if you're interested. And we'll we'll work that out so we can talk a bit more about this, especially because um, this has been great fun, dude. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Um. All right. We. Uh, I will be back with you guys here in shortly. But, Rick, thank you so much, brother. And uh Oh, hey, whoa, before we stop, plug away, man. Like, where can people hear your music? Uh, what do you got going on? Tours? Anything? So we just finished essentially seven months of touring. We released an EP in November called Chaos, Collusion, Carnage, and Propaganda. And then this, no, oh, man, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, in March, we released our brand new full-length Culture of Violence, both on Unique Leader Records. Um, we're still so psyched on this stuff, but you could find that everywhere anywhere that you you know legally steal music spotify apple and whatever the fuck um we're super excited on that we don't have any tours coming up until may but we're doing a little run of shows around um welcome to rockville festival where we're playing uh one of those days we're playing the same day as megadeth and Hatebreed. nice uh i think parkway drive also but i think they just canceled all their touring but um i'm pretty sure Hatebreed's still gonna do it and then also in June, we're doing a little run of shows around um, Pure Filth Festival with Exodus and Municipal Waste and Integrity. So that's going to be rad. Uh, we're going over to Europe in August where we're playing shows with the Black Dahlia Murder and Cannibal Corpse and a couple of you know, 
those gigantic European festivals too. So yeah. I said, we've been busy as hell. We have little breaks here and there, but you know, breaks from touring, not breaks from anything else. Um, we also, we have a YouTube show called it's go time. You asshole where um, <laughs> some of us in the band and the, our host, uh, Peter, we get together and we have one specific topic, which we bullshit on while drinking, all drinking one of the same surprise energy drink. And we just get caffeinated as hell and ramble. But we haven't been able to do that for a little while because we've been on tour. So we're going to get back to doing that. So we'll have new episodes on our YouTube channel soon with that. But even before that, we have four episodes on our YouTube channel coming up, which is a revitalization of my old podcast, Thrasher Slashers and the Road to WrestleMania, where the five of us are having a four-episode, 64-album tournament to find out what our favorite metal album of the 90s is. And we have the first episode going live. Uh, well, I'm not sure when this is going to air. So Friday, which is um, April 8th, April 8th, episode one of uh, the 90s metal tournament will go up. And then I think, uh, give or take about every two weeks, we'll have another episode up. And it's going to be four episodes, like I said, 64 albums. Um, we insult each other. We argue. We <laughs> bicker. We virtually high five. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We did another one of those um, last year, a two-episode thrash metal tournament. And it was a knockdown drag out fight between 32 albums and uh megadeth rust in peace won, and i was a deciding vote and as soon as i said it i regretted it because i think slayer rain and blood should have won so uh, hopefully i don't make the uh the wrong decision this time i will not be the deciding vote this time i tell you that much yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to check this out, you can go to YouTube. It's Extinction AD. I can already, I'm looking at it now. It's Go Time You Assholes on here. Uh, is that where this show that you're talking about here is going to be as well on your Extinction AD? Um, yes, it'll page? just be on okay. the Extinction AD YouTube channel uh, Friday, April 8th. Um, and yeah, and man, it's, it's, it's a podcast with YouTube stills because we did not do it in person and nobody. Um, I don't think anybody wants to watch, you know, any more uh, Zoom squares on YouTube, at least for another five <laughs> years. I know I got sick of that in 2020. Um, but the it's go time, you assholes, us in um, HQ, our little studio. Nice. Yeah, that will be that would be when this airs last Friday. This will air on the 12th. So it's out now. If you're listening to this, go check it out. Extinction now. AD on YouTube. Uh, Rick, again, thanks, buddy. You got it, man. Thank you. Can't wait to do the wrestling show. I like to consider Rick to be one of my new forever friends. That's what I'm going to say. He was such a pleasure to talk to. I can't wait to have him back on here, but also just on the wrestling show. Um, I mean, it's going to be great. If you want to check out the wrestling show, it's last week in wrestling. You can find us on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash LWIWpod. You can also just go to uh, lastweekinwrestling.com and it'll take you to our YouTube page. Please subscribe. Smash that bell to get notifications or whatever people say. I don't know. Anyways, uh, but that said, though, the, the uh, medium cool, we were very happy to have him on here. Uh, it's, it was a, Dude, it was such a fun conversation. It was funny because before we started, 
he was like, yeah, I think I have about maybe an hour or so. And then I, as you guys can hear uh, in the show, it's like um, I, we get there and I'm like, yeah, I just want to respect your time. He's like, no, dude, I'm having a great time. Let's just like, keep going. And then I like kind of felt bad because we kept going. But I got to have him on here because we could just go. Like we could go on and on and on, he and I. We could just talk and talk. So all that this, all that said, please go check out Rick Jimenez's projects. If you've never heard This Is Hell, of course, I'm biased to sundowning, as I said. Uh, go check out that record if you're into hardcore. Extinction AD is metal as fuck. Go check that out. Uh, definitely go check out Extinction AD's YouTube content because it's not just music and stuff. They have other things going on. So definitely go check out Rick. Again, I can't wait to have him back on. Hopefully we can get that worked out. Uh, but until next time, uh, you know, I'll see you then. And I love you guys. Good night. Good luck. And take it easy.